A house is made of wood and stone, but only love can make a home. Welcome to the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, helping you make your home into one you'll love even more. On News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. Well, Happy New Year, Dan. And Happy no, New no, Year. No, no, no. I can't say Happy New Year to you first. I mean, I have to address yeah, right. the audience. The, yes. So absolutely. Happy New Year, everybody. Yeah. Except Dan. Happy New Year, Dan. Happy New Year to you, Dan, yeah. and everybody. Yeah, I'm not off to a great start this year. <laughs> I'm already right. ambling uh, along. Is 2021 going to be <laughs> like this? Yeah, I'm at I'm at end of 2020 level, you know, quality. <laughs> oh, well, at least 2020's the past. It's it's in the rearview mirror. Yeah, let's just hope 2021. <laughs> I'm not going to hope. I'm going to plan. Let's plan that it's brighter. Do you have big New Year's resolutions that you make? Um, no, we're not a resolution type of family. Why not? I don't know. I think that it's just uh, setting yourself up for possible failure. Oh, really? Yeah. I've always proclaimed that I was going to lose weight, but now that I think about it, (laughs) yeah, maybe I am setting myself up for failure. I can't think of any success. Right. See? Maybe it's not good to look back like that. I'm not so sure it's a good idea. Maybe I am so exactly where I should be, that there really is nothing to fix. That's I that's, would think that that's a possibility. That's what I'm going to work with. <laughs> I have achieved what all mankind strives for. <laughs> right. Anyway, yeah. what do we got on the show today? Oh, we're going to talk about a bunch of different things. A well, bunch of different things. Do you really know what we're talking about? I'm not really sure, no. <laughs> You're hedging, aren't you? You're relying on me. Tell me, Dan, yeah. what are we going to talk about today? All right. At the end of the show, we're going to be playing an old segment Okay. that Betsy and I recorded. Yeah, about uh, wood Woodworking mistakes, okay, that we made, that and how to avoid them. Okay, yeah, and that's Personal a good one. experience. It's a fun one. That's why we're replaying it. Okay, we're also going to be talking about uh, painting in the winter. There's a number of issues uh-huh. that you'll want to be aware of, whether it's inside or outside. Right. Yes, you still can do some exterior work. We'll explain all of that coming up. We're also going to be talking about condensation on windows. If you've got water trickling down the windows. Right. If you can't see out and you right. don't, right, it's too foggy. Right. If it sounds like the little waterfall, those little sound maker <laughs> things in your home and you know you like the sounds, but maybe know that it's causing problems, we're going to help you deal with that. Oh, yeah. But right now, let's talk about batteries. This right. is something you wanted to deal with. Right. This is the time of year, you know, a lot of times we give gifts that involve having to have batteries. Yes. And, and sometimes we forget to get those batteries. Oh, yes. That's almost every time. And then We're scrounging tears. around through the drawers in the kitchen, <laughs> trying to find a couple of batteries just Emptying to see if this the thing remotes. works. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I haven't used this device in a while. I'll just take the batteries out of this. <laughs> right. So there's a, you know, there's a, several different things we can talk about about batteries. We're going to kind of do a big flyover and then talk about a couple of little specific things. All right. You know, there's different kinds of batteries. First of all, there's lead acid batteries. That's the kind of battery that's in your car. We're not going to really talk about that today. We can talk about that some other time. Okay. Uh, another type it, that we all know and use and have around our house is the alkaline battery. Not to be confused with the Tiger Hero alkaline. <laughs> That's right. Right. Yes. This is all I, mushed together. Alkaline. Right. I, yeah. Now you got me thinking. So yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah. So the the other couple types that are rechargeable types are nickel cadmium, NICAD batteries. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of an old technology. And then what's replaced that is the lithium ion type batteries. All right. 
So NICAD, yep. we don't see those anymore. And the reason why is because they had a problem with memory, which is if you would discharge the battery halfway, let's say, and now plug it back in to charge it back up, now it kills the the total capacity of that battery and makes it so now it only carries half as much as it was used to when it was new. I think we've all heard those horror stories. But that's not the case with the newer stuff. Lithium-ion batteries solve those problems. You don't have to discharge them all the way before you charge them back up. They don't have a memory. Also, they can feel sit- their pain. <laughs> right, not having a memory. What a great thing, you know? <laughs> I guess, yeah, maybe that's not so bad. Twenty twenty. What? Right. I, I, I don't great. remember that. <laughs> so besides that, besides the fact that they don't have a memory, they also hold their charge longer when they're just sitting in a drawer. All right. So that tool that's just sitting in a, in a drawer, it, it's not going to be dead when you pick it up to use it. All right. So that's rechargeable. And that's kind of cool. But really what I want to talk about is the batteries that we replace in the remotes and stuff like that. Right. And the alkaline, that's the alkaline batteries. And so there's two different main types. One is the cylindrical type, like a double A battery battery, and the other is the little rectangular 9-volt batteries. Mm -hmm. And here's the cool thing that I want to talk about this, is how can you tell if these batteries are dead if you don't have a battery tester? Okay. Do you know? Well, I know the 9-volt one because I stumbled on that by accident. Oh, by accident? Yeah. I, oh, I, I want to hear this. If I smell things, I push them right against my nose. Oh. And, and then you tell the reason, other people, smell this, smell this. And I, Yeah, yeah, they're always grossed out. I don't know why I do that. But I also lick a lot of stuff. <laughs> I don't know why. You've never gotten out of the toddler stage. <laughs> and I guess I shouldn't say that's a concur- you know, a current problem. But when I was littler, I remember I would, I, I remember putting my tongue on the the, the, the right. prongs of the battery and it's this a little weird scary little flavor <laughs> yeah right a little tanginess it means it's good yeah right you, that tells you it's working <laughs> if it's not if you don't get anything that one's dead that's right how do you do the little ones the well this A's? is really pretty cool you can just hold them upright and maybe say a couple inches above a, a hard surface like a table and drop it on the table. If it bounces, that means it has it's dead. Um, if it doesn't bounce, that means it's charged. So, so if it's got a little bit of a dead weight to it, it just yeah, doesn't Yeah, if it just kind of clunks on the, on the tabletop. That one's ready to go. That, that's a good battery still. All right. And if it bounces, then you know it's dead. Yeah, because I could never get my tongue to cover both of the prongs. <laughs> yeah, you have to put it all the way in your mouth. <laughs> yeah. Which I, I'm sure you've probably recommend. tried. <laughs> anyway, those are interesting little things. If you're trying to test your batteries, right. now you know. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about condensation on windows and what you can do to stop it. Okay. That's all next. Stay tuned. Helping you turn your house into your dream home. This is the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, presented by Benjamin Moore on News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. Well, Dan, one of the problems that people deal with in the home this time of year is condensation on the windows. Yeah. Do you get that at your house? Oh, yeah. Bad? Uh, sometimes. Yeah. It All depends right, on the so, temperature outside. Yeah. So if you've got that, it's something that a lot of us deal with. But a couple of things. First off, a little bit isn't a big deal. Right. You can kind of roll with it. It's kind of normal. Right. If you've got a lot of it, right. you might want to deal with it. And one other thing that I thought was very interesting, and it's important to point out, because years back when I moved into my house, you know, the, my first house, 
I had this, and instantly, of course, my tendency is to go to the doomsday option. I need all a the new time. house. No, well, yeah. <laughs> well, I guess there is another option further than where I normally go. When I see things like this, I assume that in this instance, my windows are all shot. Yeah. So I'm going to have to replace everything. Thousands and thousands so of dollars. Then I Google how much that's going to cost me. Yeah. And then I don't sleep for a week. <laughs> right. Well, anyway, if you've got this, this doesn't necessarily mean your windows need to be replaced. No. So that's the good news. Even if you've got significant amounts of this, it right. doesn't mean the windows are bad. Right. Doesn't mean they're not. It could be but, either way, but it's but, very likely that they're not bad. Right. And, and we're going to walk you through that. And we've got some ways that you can go about potentially re- reducing this, if not completely stopping it. That's right. Now, I shared with you when we were kind of going around with ideas that we wanted to talk about on the show, and I pitched this idea, and I thought it was hilarious because I ran into an article by an, um, a home inspector, and he was writing about this, and he gets to go around to all these houses, of course, and he has seen some incredible solutions to this. Very um, Ex- innovative. Extremely innovative and creative. They use duct tape, lots of plastic pieces. He's actually seen people create little gutters really? <laughs> that are like pressed against the glass, and then it channels into a little tube and then into a little into bucket. Into a bucket. Yeah. We've got better solutions than that. Yeah, that sounds like they've got a pretty severe problem if they're doing that. Or they're engineers. Or they want to be engineers. Like, they're bored. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, if you've got the problem, I guess quickly we might as well explain why it happens. Sure. Um, why it happens is because of the temperature differential between the outside and the inside of the house. When it's cold outside, the window is cold. It's, mm-hmm. it's much colder than the walls and all the stuff inside the house. And, of course, there's moisture in the air, um, and it wants to collect on cold surfaces. Right. So that's where it comes from. The moisture yeah. ends up in the air because basically everyday living sure. throws tons of moisture into the air. Right. Cooking. Boiling water, of course, you're throwing lots of moisture into the air. Showering. Yeah. Breathing. Breathing. Sweating. (laughs) Right. And a lot of times we have a um, humidifier either built into our furnace or a separate device that's intentionally putting moisture into the air because in the wintertime, otherwise, I'd give you a little touch and you'll feel a a snap. You're right. Right. Static, (laughs) Static electricity thing. And Dan, you you haven't yet experienced a winter in our studio, but let me just give you the, the short scoop here. It gets really dry. We don't have a humidifier. Well, here. we do now because oh, I, okay. every time I would hop off of my chair, my chair is raised, so I have to jump into it and jump out of it. And I guess whenever that motion happens, I become it, almost like a superhero. It's with generating my electrical power, <laughs> yeah. but it always backfires and hurts a lot. So yeah, it's not yeah. fun. So if you do have that humidifier running, that's the, honestly let's just that's the first thing you the can easiest thing, right? To to possibly reduce the amount of humidity in the air. Yeah, so maybe put a little less in. Right. Yeah, that's an obvious first step. So check that out. That's the first thing. Another thing you can do is to make sure that you're always running. Well, not always. But running the exhaust fan above the stove when you're cooking right, gets really head. annoying if you run it all the time. <laughs> so I'm not recommending that. But right. when you're cooking, run that and the bathroom fans Same when thing. you're showering. Right. And, and afterwards. And afterwards. For how long? Until the mirror clears up. That's always been my kind of gauge of when it's dry enough in the room. Yeah. See, we don't do that. That's one of our big failings. You at- shut it off right away when you get out of the shower? Yes. Right. And so it leaves all that moisture in there. Right. So make sure you're using those things. And and let's spend a little time on these exhaust fans 
because there are a number of interesting little things to consider when we're talking about them. Right. You know, and first off, when we're talking bathroom exhaust fans, you've got to make sure you've got a big enough one. Right. The right size for the space that you're exhausting from. Right. The ceiling fans come with CFM ratings. Cubic feet per minute. Cubic right. feet per minute. And that's how you determine what size you need. Right. And there are complicated uh, mathematical formulations to get I'm not there. good at math. I don't make me do right. math. It, we're not going to do that on the radio. <laughs> good. The good news is there are a couple of simple ones. If you've got a bathroom that's under 50 square foot, square okay. foot, under 50, of the floor area. Right. Under 50 square foot, you need a 50 CFM fan. Oh, that's easy math. Really, really easy. I can do that math. Yep, yep. The next one, if it's 50 to 100 square foot. Let me guess, 100 CFM. No, it's, no. it's a CFM per square foot. So if you've got an 80 square foot bathroom, okay. you need an 80 CFM okay, fan. Okay, still easy math for me. If it's over 100 square foot. That's when the math gets a little more crazy, Uh-oh. and we'll put some some links in the show notes so you can <laughs> okay, figure good. that out. Okay, good. And and the the easy ones all take into a consideration that your your ceiling is eight foot. Okay. If you've got a bigger ceiling, you're you're transferring into the more complicated math. Realm. All right. So, now it's time to get out the calculator. Yeah. So the bottom line is make sure you've got a big enough fan for the space, and if you pop that faceplate off. Yeah. There should be a sticker inside that, that has tells a number you. of, in, yeah, some information about the fan itself, right? technical stuff, but you'll see the CFM rating. And another thing is, is when you have that faceplate off, it's a great time to look at the veins of that, of that fan mm-hmm. because the efficiency of those fans goes way down when they get dirty, dusty. Don't look at it with your mouth open. That's how I look at a lot of things. <laughs> don't pull that thing down with your mouth open. Don't do Wear a pair of goggles. <laughs> and what Here's a great reason to have a mask on. You know, at least, even if your mouth is open, it'll bounce off. But yeah, yeah, they they really can collect. Trust me, I know. Right, it's really quite gross. I mean, and it reduces the the efficiency of it a lot, and it makes them noisier. Makes them noisier, and they're they're a little more dangerous. We had the fire marshal in the studio probably a year ago or so. And he talked about a fire that they ran into because the the lint in there really built up so yeah. much that yeah. it caused a fire. Wow! Yeah. So it's it's probably not a terribly common thing, right? But it's still something. Something it happened once at least. Yeah. So make sure it's clean. Make sure you've got a big enough fan. And one last thing with those is make sure they're vented outside. Right. I know that code is of course that they are. Yeah. But older houses didn't necessarily do have that. To... Mine, for example, did not. Right. Neither did mine. My home inspector found it. Right after he laughed at the the trough that we glued to the window to get rid of the <laughs> the, the condensation, he pointed out how all the, the bathroom fans were venting into the attic. Right. Very last thing you want to, well, not the very last thing, but one of the you know last things you want to do in your home is to be pumping lots of moist air into a, an enclosed space like that. You can deal with all kinds of issues down right. the road. Right. You can look at you know mold as a potential problem. The other thing is, is if your insulation in your attic becomes moist, it loses a lot of its efficiency. Right. So bathroom fans uh, uh, and the the range exhaust yep. should also be vented outside. Right. So dig into those things. Other things you can do. The old windows can be dramatically improved just by putting in storm windows. Right. You know, or, adding that extra layer or the maybe plastic. Maybe this plastic film that you put on the inside have of the window. Have you ever done that? that yes, I have. Film? It's worked really good. All right. So that will help reduce the condensation and it also will warm up the space a little bit. Yeah. That's its entire purpose right is to do those things so those will work another thing you could try is if you've got a crawl space that's bare earth 
Oh, that probably That's, transmits a lot of oh, moisture. Yeah. So you've got to get that sealed up with a vapor barrier. A piece know, of plastic sheeting? Heavy plastic, as few seams as possible. Right. Get that down. And along those same lines, gutters and downspouts. You wouldn't think about that. But if the moisture is getting into the basement, right. it's going to work its way through the home. That's just how it works. So make sure they're directed far enough away from the foundation. Right. Make sure the gutters are clean. Make sure the downspouts exhaust probably about four to six feet away, away from, from the, the foundation. Yeah. Right? Make sure the grade of the home, you know, around the home slopes away from the house. Yeah. All of those things will help. You sure wouldn't think that, you know, your downspouts have something to do with the amount of condensation on your windows, but it might. Right. The vapor pressure will push that, that moisture in the air through brick, mortar, plaster, yeah. wood, and it can end up wherever. It's going to find the easiest place, and that's going to be you know, the cold windows, like you said, and it's going to dump it right there. Right. So, yeah, taking care of that. And it solves other problems anyway. Nobody wants the moist, damp basement thing. Right. And I was blown away. I had this problem in my old house where we would get water in if it rained really, really hard. And the very first thing I tried was the, I thought, I thought it was just, you know, kind of a not going to work, not really worth it, but it's worth trying. I'll put up better gutter system and jet it a little further away from the house. It and I worked? solved 90% of the problem. Really? Wow. And it was just coming too close to the house and it found wow. easy access that way. So make sure you take care of that. I ended up, unfortunately, jetting it into my neighbor's yard. <laughs> so now they have she problems. Had a problem. And then we had to find that <laughs> butter zone where we were both happy. Anyway, those are some things. If none of those work, you know, it's it's possible. It's it's time to replace the windows. You know, and one thing we should mention before we wrap this up, because you can have uh, the moisture on the inside of the glass, which is what we've been talking about. It, like where you, you wipe your hand on it and it and gets you wet. you touch it. Right, right. But you could have double pane or whatever windows. The thermal pane windows. Right, and it could be in between. Inside there. And no matter how much you wipe it, all you do is smear the glass with right. your little grubby fingerprints. So what's the solution to that? Well, that's when you cry a little more. Because, because now you're looking at replacing at just, least just, the glass part of the window. Right, exactly that. The seal is broken at that point. Yeah. You're seeing moisture in there. The good news is that you can generally, most of the time, replace just one of those panes right. where the problem is. They can come out and take care of that. So it's not like replacing an entire window. No, and it looks like the cost is about 25% of oh, the cost of a full window. Okay, yeah, so that's so, not so bad. Anyway, if you're dealing with condensation on the windows and you're whipping out the duct tape and some plastic trough so that you can <laughs> jet it to a <laughs> bucket somewhere, there are right. other solutions. Yeah, let's not get drastic right, right now. Try these, and if that doesn't work, go ahead with what you've got and send us some photos because we'd love to see it. Yes, I would definitely love to see that. Now, all right, we're going to take a break, and then when we come back, we're going to be talking about some of the things you'll run into when you're painting in the winter. Okay. And we've got some tips to make sure it's as smooth the process as possible. Yeah, let's talk about that. Next. All right, that's next. Stay tuned. If you want to take your DIY skills up a rung, the Repco Light Home Improvement Show is here to give you a boost on News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. And we're back, and we're going to talk about painting in the winter. Okay. Sounds like yeah. a, a Christmas song, doesn't it? <laughs> From a really bad album. Uh, yeah, the one that I've not heard and I don't want to. <laughs> we should write something. No, I don't no. think that's a good idea. You're not a singer? I'm I'm not a musician, I'm not a singer, right. and the subject matter does not interest me as far as putting it to a tune goes. All right. Well, 
we'll just shelve that for now. We'll <laughs> okay. just agree well, that maybe, maybe. Okay, someday we'll return to that idea. And, and painting in the Winter might be a hit song. <laughs> so let's talk about the process itself, though, because we've run into this in the stores where contractors, everybody, sure. sometimes struggles. Right. And inside they struggle when they're painting in the right. winter. But the surprise is there's some outdoor stuff that you could also be doing. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times people get caught by the end of the season, like, oh, I just need that one little thing I need to do Mm -hmm. yet. Um, There are people that have that one last little thing to do. I've got like (laughs) that one notebook (laughs) left that I need to accomplish. Right. Yeah. So sometimes there are exterior projects. You know, we'll touch on that a little bit, but mostly interior things are what we're talking about here. But as far as exterior goes, a couple things to keep in mind is modern paints tend to work better at lower temperatures than things that were available, whatever, 10, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And we can paint in lower temperatures outdoors now, but you have to be a little more careful. There are a lot of days where you don't want to do it. Obviously, if it's wet, raining, whatever, it's not a good painting day. Or recently has rained, or right. it's going to rain. Right. Uh, one advantage, though, is that snow unlike rain, doesn't absorb into surfaces, so it doesn't take as long for things to dry out in the winter, surprisingly. All right. But, um, yeah, some exterior painting can be done. Now, latex or oil? It's a mix. Either, either but the latex paints, you have to make sure if you read the label carefully or, or talk to the person at the store to see if it is low-temperature compatible. Right, and the low-temperature compatible is referring to surface temperatures. Right, surface and air temperatures. Right. right. But we've had plenty of instances where the air temperature reaches a a certain point. Right. But the surface is still way too cold. And that's one of the things that we have to keep in mind when we talk about exterior painting in the winter is that that amount of time in the day is much shorter than it normally would be in the summer. You know, besides the fact that the day itself is there's less daylight, mm-hmm. there's um, just a, a shorter window of time where the weather, where the temperature is warm enough to, to make this work. So bottom line, if you've got a project that you're not sure of, but you'd love to still wrap it up and it's an, an exterior outdoor, project, yeah, yeah. stop out at the stores. Yeah, ask a couple questions and we can lead you in the right direction. Right. right. So interior stuff, though, that's yeah. that's where it's a little bit interesting, too, because we run into uh, some complications with application right. when you're working in, in the wintertime. Yeah. And now, first of all, I want to say that, you know, wintertime is could be considered one of the best times to do these kind of projects. Right, right, right. Because you're indoors so much, and what a, what a better time could there be to refresh the space that you're looking at so much while you're indoors all the time? Mm-hmm. Makes a lot of sense that way. But yes, there are some things to consider as far as painting interior in the winter. And the main one is humidity, the amount of moisture in the air. Low humidity, which is what we see in the wintertime, mm-hmm. means paint's going to dry faster. Right. It's pulling that water out quicker. Right. And, and that, that's a two-edged sword. On the one yeah. hand, it allows you to recoat faster, so you can Yay! get two coats on sooner. You know? Really fast. But the downside is it could dry so quickly that you have problems with lap marks and things like that. So you have to work pretty quickly when you work in a low humidity interior environment in the wintertime. Right. And there are other things that you can do, too. I mean, one of the one of the things is getting the blowers off yes. and, and stuff like that with the furnace, because that just speeds everything along Right. Exponentially. Right. And in fact, that goes to another point. Sometimes you might have a project where you're finishing bare wood 
indoors in the wintertime. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you've got your trim or something, you're putting a yeah, varnish over top of that. A or, floor, a piece of furniture, sure. something okay. like that. Well, wood, of course, it's porous. It has all these pores in it, and those pores have air in them. As the temperature is rising, the air in those pores of the wood is expanding. So in that situation, if we would coat that with, a, with say, a varnish, um, we're going to get bubbles because that air is expanding and it needs to come out and it's going to kind of ruin our finish. So what we would normally recommend is turn the furnace off so that the temperature is falling during that initial drying period of the coating mm-hmm. so that we don't have a problem with bubbles. So what about what do you, how do you work around an oil-based varnish in the winter? You're working in your house. You've got a gas furnace. Go, Dan. What do you do? What do you do <laughs> well, in that scenario? Well, so first of all, you know, the concentration of fumes, it can be annoying from a standpoint of the smell. Um, that's probably the most you know, obvious thing. And I can tell you one. Well, I, maybe that's where you're going. But for me, it, I will never, ever forget it because I was in so much trouble. We have a gas dryer as well. And I did a little bit of this. And then my wife did. I don't know how many loads of laundry and everything smelled like kerosene. Oh, really? Burned the fumes oh, all into the clothes. Oh, I'd never thought of that. But it's yes, I can see. not a good decision. Right. <laughs> it's really bad. So, you know, people worry about their pilot light, uh, their yep. furnace or their yep. hot water heater or something like that. The fumes that come off from coatings, from solvent-based coatings as they dry, are heavier than air, so they'll settle to the ground. And yes, if you're if you're doing a lot of painting in your basement with oil-based paint, you really need to turn off the pilot lights. If you're doing a little bit and you're in the living room or on the second floor or whatever the situation is, you're not going to have to worry about it. The right. fumes will be so diluted that there's no way that they will cause a, a danger for you know combustion, burning, right. catching fire, blowing up your house. Ventilate. Yeah, and and, and the smell too. You know, if right, you're using get... oil-based paint in the winter time, it doesn't hurt to throw a couple windows open. Right. So what other things should we be thinking about? As well, we crack and open that can in the crisp winter. We could maybe use that line in our song. <laughs> just, just thinking. You're still thinking about it. You are, aren't you? You're not going to give no, up on it. Latch onto something. So here's something that it's not a do-it-yourselfer thing, but I still want to throw it out there, which is the winter time is a great time to hire a contractor. They're not as busy. They have time, to, and you might save some money. Mm-hmm. They might be looking for work. So wintertime is a great time to hire a contractor to do a project like that in your house. Right. A lot of them are looking for stuff to do. Uh, the whole uh, coronavirus thing hasn't helped either. Right. And yet they've adjusted their processes. You know, of course, ask and make sure that everybody feels good about the situation. But they've all adjusted. They're working as safely as possible. And yeah, it's a great opportunity to get somebody when sometimes you're looking at, you know, we've had times where you're a year out. Right. So another thing to keep in mind is, again, like we talked about with exterior, the day the days are shorter. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it's hard to see what we're doing uh, in when we're working in low light situations. It's a great idea to get some sort of auxiliary lighting in the room to help you see roller skips or thick spots or, or whatever. It's really good to get some extra light in the wintertime into the indoor spaces. That's probably a good idea anytime, but definitely in the wintertime, you'll be surprised how much you'll see. Right. It might save you a lot of time. Exactly. Now, one other thing this time of year that we want to mention is just freezing paint. People right. working and leaving it in the garage, Yeah, that's, that, not that's a, problematic. Right. It is not necessarily a good idea. Latex paint can freeze. So um, let's prevent that from happening. But in the off chance that it was not preventable and the paint is frozen, that doesn't necessarily mean it's junk. Some paints can 
recover from a frozen state. There's a way to tell. Okay. And please tell, Dan. How do we tell? <laughs> okay. When you open the can Is up- Is it stench-related? Well, no. That would be a different thing. Okay. That, okay. That, that's uh, microbial contamination. That's, you know, a bug. That's a fun one. Yeah. No, this is, um, when you open the can up and stir it well, if it's smooth, it's good. Even right. if it has been frozen before, after it's thawed out, if you stir it up, it's smooth, it's still good. If it's cottage cheese, if it's lumpy, sorry, it's not good anymore. It's toast. What do you do with it then? Oh, well, then you have to dispose of it. And we can help with that, actually. Yes, we can. Yeah, we will recycle. If you've got leftover latex paint that you don't know what to do with, even if it's good, yeah. we can take that back. Especially if it's good. And take care of that. And if you do have stuff that it has frozen and it's non-salvageable, we can take care we of can that dispose too. Of that as well. We charge three dollars per container. Yes, and you can get more information just by chatting with us online or calling us in the store. We'll walk you through how that all works. But that is an option if you need it. One other thing to mention before we wrap it all up is that if you're working on a project in the garage, because yeah. a lot of us do, especially if it's like a paint stripping project. Right. In the wintertime. That's not great. No. Paint strippers don't work very well in, in cold weather. And so it's best to bring that indoors into a, a room, your basement, whatever. It'll work way better. Strippers work way more effectively in warm temperatures. Right. And if you're using a water-based paint stripper like Citrus Strip... You're not going to have any issues with the stink anyway. Right. All right. There's a lot of other things. If you do tackle a project in the winter and you just want to make sure you've got everything lined up right so you don't have any mistakes or any issues, or at least as few as possible, just stop out at any Repcolite or Port City paint store. Tell us what you're working on and we'll walk you through it. Yep. Now, when we come back, we're going to go to an old segment where Betsy and I talked about some woodworking mistakes and how to avoid them. Not just how to make them, how to avoid (laughs) them. That's all next. Stay tuned. If you want to take your DIY skills up a rung, the Repco Light Home Improvement Show is here to give you a boost on News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. Well, Betsy, let's wrap this up. Yeah, last segment. Last segment. Uh huh. Full steam ahead, right? Yes, exactly. We're not coasting. We're well, living of off not. the caffeine that we've been pumping down our gullets. That's you. Gullet. Is that the right word? Yeah. It is. I think so. My grandpa used oh, to use it I all sure the time. I sure wish I hadn't questioned it. I wish I had just rolled right on. Uh-huh. You would have looked a whole lot smarter if you it just would have, rolled right on. But then it would have probably been the wrong word, and I would have looked yes, really dumb. Yes, that has happened to you <laughs> I use the wrong word all the time. What uh-huh. did I do this right at the beginning of the show? PTA instead of Yeah, the of PSA, PSA, the public service announcement. I, we gave you a PTA. <laughs> the kids are at home shaking their head. Dad, uh-huh. service starts with S. You're so embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh-huh. we're going to talk about some common woodworking mistakes made by beginners. And others. Yeah, I was going to say, you're kind of an other. And some, you, some of these things you've... Oh, yeah, I've learned a few of these. You do them once, yep. and you don't necessarily remember them the second time. I mean, that's for all people, not just you. Yeah. I'm, there, not, there, I'm not beating you down. No, well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> no, some of these are mistakes that you make once and you learn. You just yeah, didn't realize yeah, this yeah. was something. Mm-hmm. Other ones are, are, are things that yeah, if you, you just don't try to take often, a shortcut, yeah. and we're always tempted to. It can bite you. Right. But anyway, let's talk about these because mm-hmm. they are interesting and they can really mess with the project and make it not as much fun right. as it should be. And woodworking right. should be a ton of fun. Yeah. It should actually be relaxing. 
Yes. I mean, once you get over the initial stress. <laughs> no, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. But the first mistake, and, and we were drawing from an article kind of that we found on the Family Handyman yep. website. Mm-hmm. Liked this article. There were a couple things we tweaked a little bit. Yeah. But overall, it's it's really good, and we'll post a link in the show notes. Yeah. First thing, first mistake, mm-hmm. and this was a big one for me, and it drove me nuts until I figured out what was going on. Yeah. The mistake is not accounting for the kerf mm-hmm. when you're using a saw right. or, or any kind of cutting now implement. Now, y- you better explain what a kerf is. I will. Is. <laughs> so here's the idea. You start a project. So you get your two by fours out, let's say, yep. and you need to cut them into two foot sections. Yeah, you have an eight so, foot yeah, length. Yeah, you've got and, an eight foot mm-hmm. length. You're going to cut four two foot sections out of that. So you throw your tape measure down. You make a mark at two foot, at four foot, at six foot. Right. And then at eight foot, you have a little bit of leftover and you're thinking you're perfect. Uh-huh. And then you run it through the saw. Right. And when you're all done, you've got this problem where none of them are exactly the same size. So you know what I always used to do? Cut them down again. Uh-huh. So I'd mark them by the small, and the shortest so, one. And by the time you were done, your table was like for ants because yeah. the legs yeah. were it's so It's like short. an Oriental style table. We just sit oh, on the floor. you just sit on the floor. <laughs> you don't right. need chairs for those tables. <laughs> no. But what's going on is I didn't account for the kerf. Yeah. And the kerf is basically the material mm-hmm. that a cutting tool removes from the wood. Yeah, right. it's the sawdust that the, you make. The blade width is yep. usually, or it's, if it's a router, it's it's a wider thing. Right. But the big time this this happens is with a, like a table saw mm-hmm. or a miter saw, right. and it's the width of the blade, that yeah. eighth inch, because it just mm-hmm. rips through it. And like Betsy said, you're getting sawdust from it. We need to, to think about that. That sawdust comes from somewhere. It's wood that's removed. Right. It's not like a scissors mm-hmm. that just shears through paper. You don't have... Paper right. dust when you're done <laughs> right. cutting Hopefully stuff. Not. Usually not. <laughs> Unless you got that one scissors that we've got at home, the pizza cutting scissors. Ah, uh, yes. If you use that on paper, who knows what you've got. Right. But anyway, pa- scissors shear mm-hmm. the paper. Yeah. It's not how it works with That's the saw. That's why sometimes they're called shears. <laughs> right. So you end up with that quarter inch gap. Yeah. Or, or, or that eighth, eighth inch, inch gap. gap. And yep. as you go, that can really add up over time. So yeah, you because to, what is an eighth inch plus an eighth inch? I it mean, it just grows uh-huh. and grows. So you've got to account for that. And here's a couple yeah. really simple ways to do it. First mm-hmm. off, don't measure everything all at once. Yeah. So don't mm-hmm. throw the tape on the two by four, make all the marks, and then take it to I the I think saw. that's very common. I think that's what people do. It is. Because we think that's you know, it's right. time saving, it mm-hmm. seems practical. Right. Instead, make one measurement, mm-hmm. make the mark, and then make the cut. Then make a new measurement, right. make the mark, make the cut. Right. So on. Mm-hmm. That's the best way to go with that. Yeah. The other thing you need to do is when you draw that line, when mm-hmm. you scribe that line on the wood, don't go over the line, right. err on the side of the excess. You know, that yeah. little bit, you yeah. know, the extra side. Don't err on the piece that you're trying to save. Right. Err don't in the other direction. Don't cut your two foot. Cut on the outside that of That way the curve happens in the excess. Right. And you're fine. Yeah. If you do it the other way, it ends up shortening the wood. Yeah. So there you go. Not mm-hmm. accounting for the kerf. Right. One thing you can do. Yep. Another thing that's a problem is tear out or blow out. This happens a lot. And you you see it a ton, especially on like chop saws and mm-hmm. things like that, miter saws, where you go through the piece of wood and you have all those little splintery things that Right. The fiber and how it, how it splits and you get this really choppy, jagged edge. Right. You know, there's basically chipping along the edge. Yeah. It can be really bad with plywood. And it's really bad. When what you're cutting is a finished piece that's, you know. Yeah, then you have to fill, you have to putty, you have to It can be a real pain in the neck. So there are a couple things to work on to fix this. And the first thing, well, the the first two involve Mm. the blades. Yeah. Use a sharp blade. 
always yeah. use a sharp blade, especially if this cut really matters. Think of your knives at home, how you can't cut through something if Think your blade is dull. pizza scissors. That as well. Never use the pizza scissors. Well, and you can tell Except when... Except for pizza. When scissors are dull, you can tell because the edge of the paper... You can put them on your finger and it doesn't cut them. Well, that, and the paper gets a little bit fluffy along the edge. I mean, yeah. it's not a nice sharp edge. You're not probably not going to get a paper cut from it. Your blade's the same way. Yes, except round and, and there's teeth on it. So make sure you're using a sharp blade. Also, make sure you're using the right blade. Yeah. A lot of different surfaces have specific blades that are recommended. Yeah, teeth per inch or square well, inch or whatever that, it is. Right, there's that, but there's yep. also blades for specific yeah. situations. Right. Um, the, the teeth per inch thing. Yeah. That, that's something else to think about. If there's mm -hmm. fewer teeth, the saw cuts faster, yeah. removes wood quicker, mm -hmm. but there's more tendency for this tear out or blowout. Right. More teeth is going to give you a finer, slower cut, and mm -hmm. that makes perfectly good sense. Yes. And just think about it. <laughs> right. Although I don't know that that works, does it? Because if I had fewer teeth in my head, uh -huh. I think that would be a slower chew than if I was, like, really well, yes, full of chompers. Well, yes, but it's not going to be a finer chew. I mean, you're going to have some pretty big pieces to swallow it out. <laughs> I better stay away from steak. <laughs> yep. Anyway, I don't know if that works for saw blades, but the way it is with the blades, right. the fewer teeth, quicker cut, but a little more rough. Right. More teeth, much finer cut, but it is a little right. slower. Right. So those yep. are a couple things. The other trick, mm -hmm. and I made use of this, and then I didn't make use of it. I regretted it uh -huh. on that gaming table that I made. Yep. Because I made these panels that fit inside like leaves. So that we can actually have a smooth tabletop, not just the TV underneath, right? right. Like we talked about mm -hmm. last week. Anyway, we had like a laminated, a formica type wood, yeah, that I picked up at the store. It was mm -hmm. just inexpensive, and I figured it'll work for now, yeah. And I was so concerned that when I was ripping these down on the table saw, that they were going to chip along mm -hmm. that formica edge. Yeah. So I taped it. Yeah. I ran safe release 3M tape, mm -hmm. and then on another one I used frog tape, and you, I put it on the edge. Yeah, that's the bottom facing edge. Right. So the bottom of the piece and taped the edges. I taped up the sides to prevent mm -hmm. it from tearing out or blowing out as I as it exited yeah, the saw. Right. And it was perfect. And then I had to make one adjustment to one of the leaves. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I'm going to skip that taping step. I don't uh -huh. need it. Yeah, yeah. Chip the whole thing up. Uh-huh. So use the tape. That's a really simple way to go. they use tape on glass as well for that exact same reason. It just keeps it from splintering. Right. And there you go, Dan. That's it. That's you it. You were just treated... To a little of the old school right. Rockolite Home Improvement Show. Yeah. Yeah, you stepped into Betsy's stilettos. <laughs> it's hideous, folks. You don't want to see it. But I appreciate you, you, you stepping up. At least trying to step into the shoes. Yeah, yeah. You mushed your little feet in. Your toes were all pointing out. It was horrible to look at. Anyway, if you want to check this one out again, you can find it online at RepcoLite.com. And while you're there, make sure you check out our online store. You can do a lot of ordering. Place right. some orders for product that you want to get, and then arrange for curbside pickup. If you don't want to come into the stores, we can definitely accommodate you and help you get everything you need curbside. Right. Contact-free. Yep. Right? Yes. All right. Whatever you do today, make sure paint's a part of it. Repcolite and Port City Paint Stores are open until 3 o'clock, waiting to help. I'm Dan Hansen. And I'm Dan Altina. Thanks for listening. <laughs>